All right, everybody, welcome back to our Your Story podcast. I got my good friend, John Mazzella, the owner of FFL Vanquish, who's constantly pushing the needle and uh, constantly serving, constantly helping out, and just as one of the most, I'd say, <laughs> direct, I was going to say direct, direct, <laughs> um, your style is just so, I want to say unorthodox, but it's not unorthodoxed. It's actually so refreshingly honest that it comes across as an unorthodox, but more people should should roll with your flavor, John. But welcome to the podcast, man. I'm looking forward to listening to your story. How you doing, brother? Bro, I am I'm I'm doing awesome. Doing really good. Ready to punch this day in the face. Ready to punch the year in the face. Um Actually, I'm, I'm not giving you that sales pitch. New year, new me, bull crap. You know, I'm not in the gym lifting 10 pounds of weights every morning. That's not me. That's not what I'm telling you. I'm just saying I'm I'm ready, man. I'm, I'm definitely ready for the year. I love it, man. I love that energy, bro. I love that energy. Um, and so our Your Story podcast is very much about, you know, the things that you've seen and, and been through and have, you know, created this version of John Mazzella has have created, you know, the man we see today. So you could take us down that path um, of some of the things that created the man we see today. That'd be amazing. Yeah. I mean, listen, man, it all stems from the streets of Brooklyn, you know, I mean, born and raised in Brooklyn. I was never, I mean, even though I went to, baby, even though I went to, Catholic school my whole life. Like I think I learned more on the streets. I I always surrounded myself by good people, and when I say good people, I don't mean straight A students. I just mean people that you know weren't around drugs, um, weren't around crime. Um, you know, I was just surrounded by pretty much older people. Because when I first started DJing, when I was 13, 14 years old. Um, you know, my boy Butchie took me under his wing and he was 10 years older than me. So I was 14, 15, 16 years old, DJing in bars and DJing and, you know, DJing parties, hanging out with the older crowd. So I always had that older mentality, um, never really did good in school. I always made sure I got my C's and D's because my father, you know, he worked two jobs. He worked 18 hours a day, busting in making pizza, um, standing on his feet all day. And he always made sure that my sister and myself got put into Catholic school, you know, public school, you know, PS 142 was, that was a no, no, it was definitely going to be Catholic school. And it was definitely going to be Bishop Ford Catholic high school. So, um, you know, I always made sure that I surrounded myself by good people, you know, people that weren't going to land me in trouble. Now, I'm not saying I was a good kid, bro. I woke with feet <laughs> some ways. I was in the train yards every weekend. You know, I may have huffed some glue at 15, 16 years old. <laughs> you know? But, you know, that's why maybe I'm a little, you know, nuts in the head because I probably lost a few screws up there, but didn't resort on that where uh, it was a problem, right? I tried it, you know, Smoked weed in my early 20s? Nope, not for me. You know, did the smoking cigarette? Nope, not for me. So, 
you know, yeah, I mean, like I said, most importantly, I think that, you know, being around older people, surrounding myself by decent people who could guide me in the right direction, landed me out of jail and kept me alive because those streets, I could think of 20 people off the top of my head that are either in jail or six feet under. So, um, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, growing up, it was always, you know, DJing, you know, DJing was big. DJing, like that was, that was a big career for me. You know, I was DJing three, four, sometimes five nights a week. Did really well with that. When did you um, get the, when did you get the passion for that or, or music in general? Uh, did it start from music, music or did it start from the craft and idea nah, of it, DJing? It, uh, it, it started with music. There was this radio station in New York called 92KTU. Okay. Right. So 92KTU had some DJs. You know, you had Joe Causey, who's on CBS right now, who's a very good friend of mine. Um, you had Al Bandiero. You had Carlos de Jesus. You had a whole bunch of guys. And these were the voices of New York. You know, you had three. You had five major players, right? You had the three. You had WBLS. You had KISS FM. You had 92 KTU. Those were my three stations. But KTU was the station. So KTU used to do these mix shows every day at 410 called Paco Supermix. Hmm. And they would have the best DJs in the state come in and just do mixes. Wow. And there, there were these two guys, the Latin rascals, Tony Moran, who is, you know, one of the biggest freestyle, I mean, one of the biggest freestyle singers in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and his partner, Aldo Cabrera, was like the drums guy. He was the equipment guy. Tony was the singer. They created the Latin Rascals, Arabian Nights, don't let me be misunderstood, like a whole bunch of records. Mm. Um, and those guys, I mock. Huh. I, I used to get my radio. I used to get cassettes. Now, back when I'm 12, 13 years old, don't tell this to my son, JJ. <laughs> I used to rob cassette tapes from my Catholic school library so I could go home and record the mixes on my radio. Did you ever, did you give them back? No, I got caught. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> so anyway, I used to record the mixes and, you know, I, I'll go inside. I'll show you my Nike, my Nike uh, shoe box that has all these cassettes in it. And I would record it. And, and the music that I was listening to coming out of, 92, KTU, KISS FM, and BLS. It was just, like, there are certain records that are just going to go to my grave, come with me to my grave. Mm. Like, there are certain records that I could just never be sick of. So that actually inspired me to go out, buy records, be a DJ. Of course, I, you know, it was just, you know, it, everything back then was breakdancing, graffiti. And I did all that. So I built a massive record collection throughout the years. And that's what really inspired me to DJ. Like Albert and Tony, the Latin Rascals, like those guys really inspired me to keep DJing. And then when, once I started, I just never finished because it just became a lucrative business for me. You know, I was the neighborhood guy. Mm. And uh, yeah, I... I still DJ to today, but obviously I do one party a year, and that's New Year's Eve, and that's it. But, 
you know, I'll sit here on the live dial. I'll sit here pounding the phone and my stress reliever, Mark, is I'll go next door and I'll just do a jam session in my studio and I'll just play rackets or I'll just play with my equipment and just jam for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, come back in here. You know, that's that's my getaway, we'll call it. So DJing was a big part of my life growing up, my 20s, my 30s, my 40s. And then uh, once I got... Um, you know, once I got divorced in 2014, now things became a little real because, you know, now I can't DJ as much. But that's fast forwarding until I'm 45, you know, 45, 43 years old. But, yeah, it was the streets of Brooklyn, man. That's where I grew up. And I always had a direct con. I, I always had a direct um, I was always direct. I was always with the public, whether it was DJing for people or whether it was from me working in my neighborhood deli. Like I worked in the neighborhood deli mark where it was extremely busy. Hmm. So I knew a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people. I grow up, bro, I would go to Puerto Rico and I'd be on the roulette table. I swear my father, people would come, not people, but one person came up to me. Yo, can I get a prosciutto and mozzarella with roasted peppers and six prosciutto balls in Puerto Rico? So it was really? kind of crazy. Really? Yeah, that's yeah, it was wild, crazy, bro. Yeah, that's wild. And, uh, yeah, we were at the El San Juan. We were at the El San Juan. I was on the roulette table, and a transit cop, Frankie Conti, comes behind me, and he's like. Yo, let me get a prosciutto. And I couldn't do nothing so but laugh. I didn't pull one, but I was just like. That's great. How long so, did you work in the deli? From like 16 to maybe late 20s. And then because I became really tight with the owner, I did him a favor and I would give him the day off on Sundays. And I would go in and I would open and close for him mm -hmm. like a couple of times a month. Mm -hmm. Um. So probably in my early 30s. Wow. And so I, this is making sense because you have one of the most, like, positively infectious personalities I've ever met. Just the ability to be a sponge to people and people just to be attracted to you. And so, you know, the, the you probably had that deli hopping. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was always, it was... Again, it was always busy, but I believe in communicating with people. Like if somebody walks into my life, I want to know a little bit about them, right? So when transit cops used to come in or teachers from across the street used to come in, you know, teachers used to come in, I'd be like, yo, how are the rugrats today? Hmm. You know, ah, oh, they're good. Hmm. You know, transit, yo, what's going on on the FNG? Any crime? <laughs> So I would I would ask a lot of questions, just converse with people as I'm cutting their cold cuts, making their sandwich. I'm just talking to people, and it kind of kept me in so many types of relationships because I was never the I was never the uh, I was always the nice guy. I'll let John make my sandwich. He's cool. Mm. I'll wait for John. Huh. Right, and then the DJ business. Right. Between the clubs yeah. and the weddings. And, Dude, you had you to know, be like the mayor. 
I wouldn't say I was the mayor, but I knew a lot That's of people. Saying, like, you know what I'm saying? A lot of people. And it, I can't go far without banging into people I know. Huh. And now Facebook, it's like, forget it. It's all reunited. But um, so as far as, like I tell people all the time, selling life insurance, you know, it's not easy. Selling anything is not easy. Like, you got to do it. You got to work it. But for me, because I'm such a people's person, I think the building we pour apart, that helps. And then adding the stuff that I know about the business makes it more intriguing, more intriguing for people to work with me. Like, my attitude on the phone, Mark, is this. Listen. You want life insurance? You should be paying me that I'm on the phone with you, giving you all this knowledge. <laughs> like that's my that's my attitude to people, and people sense it because right. I know what I'm talking about. Right. So yeah, I mean, as far as building the relationships, I've always been a people's person growing up, always because I was always behind the counter, I was behind the DJ booth, I was always out there. How did you find your way into the life insurance industry? Bro, I was doing, um, after I left Wall Street, I was on Wall Street for a few years. And after 9-11, we got transferred up to the Gucci building on 53rd Street and, and 5th Avenue. And, you know, I was still living downtown Brooklyn. I hated it. Um, I hated the commute. So I wanted something the close to Manhattan. Yeah, because believe it or not, you got to take the F train to the A train to the 4 train to go all the way uptown. I mean, when I worked on Wall Street, it was perfect because sometimes I would drive in and it took me 11 minutes. Right. Makes sense. When I, when I would drive in. Yeah, downtown. But, right, downtown Brooklyn to downtown Manhattan. It's yep. literally one train. Yep. But from Montague Street, but from Carroll Gardens, it's three trains. It. It's the F to the A, to the 4, to Battery Park. Anyway, um, yeah, and after 9-11, when we got transferred, it kind of sucked. But um, I winded up doing, I winded up working with this agency who, were, who was doing hedge funds. So I would, raise, I would raise capital to people. I would call people in the United Kingdom and say, send me a half a million dollars so we can invest it in ABC. Mark, and they would do it. Huh. Which is crazy. <laughs> I was doing that for a few years. And then when, when after I got married in 2001, in 2000, fast forwarding to 2007, 2008, we moved to New Jersey. So that's when I got a job working in Red Bank. Hmm. And it made sense for me. Now, those guys were doing health insurance and life insurance. I said, all right, you know what? Let me take my life exam. Because I was actually doing group health insurance. Like, I would call business owners and say, hey, let me see, you know, let me see your, um, let me see your list of employees. Let me see what we could do. Then we'd have to wait for them to get their renewal. And it was, you know how it is. It's an Azure in business. Right. So I was told, go into life insurance. You'll make a lot more money. And I did that. And I really didn't know my, my elbow. So I winded up hopping in different places 
getting 30, 40% comp from different places, not knowing anything until Royal Neighbors told me to go see Mark Mead in 2014. <laughs> and uh, that's when I got introduced to you. But I, I, I um, forget you coming up to the office. That's great. <laughs> That was great, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so what year was that that you got into insurance? 2009. December 2009 got licensed. 2009. So your first introduction to a high contract was through us? Yeah. I had a client. I had a guy who wanted to do business with me. He wanted to stay with Royal Neighbors. I couldn't get contracted with Royal Neighbors through my previous agency because he got barred. He got fired from Royal Neighbors for not doing any business. Huh. And they wouldn't reinstate him. So I needed an upline. So I called up Royal Neighbors. I'm like, listen, I want to service this account. I like the guy. He likes me. Help me out. Huh. They're like, yeah, go see Mark Mead at Family First Life. I'm like, that's the closest you have? Like, yep. I'm like, all right. The closest you have. So here I am. 50, how long was the drive? I don't remember. Well, well, however long it takes me to get up to you now. An hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes with wasn't, traffic. Wasn't that long, but okay. Right? So, uh, <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, and I think I told you this, as soon as I left your office, as soon as I left Ju Julia, yeah. Um, I winded up that I, I wound up taking a phone call from my wife at that time telling me that she's leaving. Wow. So I technically got divorced and found you at the same time on the same day. I don't think I ever heard that story. You were leaving my office. I left your office. Joni calls me. I was just about to get onto the turnpike. I was just about to get onto I think the turnpike. I was on some major highway. I was about to get on the turnpike. I make the turn, get the phone call. I got the phone in my ear. And she's like, just want to let you know I'm not going to be home tonight. Take care of the kids. I'm just, I'm leaving. We're done. Right? She hangs up. Now I'm just like, I'm a basket case. Like, we were going through a lot of shit mm -hmm. at that time. But, so yeah, I mean, that was the last day that she actually was in that house. And, um, uh, that was the day that we broke up. Wow. Um, yeah. So eventually, right shortly after that, I get divorced. I'm a single dad. You know, Sabrina, Christopher, JJ. JJ is like five years old. I'm still wiping his. That's how young he is. Mm. And it was it was a shell shock because now I'm DJing three, four nights. I'm working in an office, you know, selling insurance or trying to. And now I got to take JJ to the dentist, pick him up from school because he's acting out. I got to do all the daddy things that the mom is supposed to do because mom is nowhere to be found. Mm. So, uh, yeah, growing up, single dad, you know, after that, I wind up I wind up landing on government assistance on welfare. Mm. So I'm on welfare like 16, 17. And I'm like can't keep doing this i can't keep i can't keep going to saint mary's in the beginning of december depending on their 50 dollars gift cards to certain places to get my kids christmas gifts i had to sell my whole record collection 
to raise money one year. Mm -hmm. And it sucked. So, yeah, I mean, those days were definitely dark for me. But to be honest with you, Mark, I wouldn't do I, I, I would do it all over again because it built a tremendous bond between between me, Chris and JJ. Mm. I mean, it was us three in the house and we butted heads, but it made us stronger. Mm. And, you know, it, it kind of sucks now for JJ because he's 15 years old and he hasn't seen his mom in three years. And I think nine months, he said the other day. Like, it's got to be, it's got to be sucky for a kid not to have a mom around, mm. right? And you do, and you, and you, you with me, the miserable best that I am all day. <laughs> so it was hard juggling insurance, DJing, being a dad. It was just, it was hard until 2018. I came all in in FFL, right? I called you up. I'm like, dude, I can't do this anymore. I'm all in. I started following guys like Ivan, Danielle, Brian Mendenhall. Like, those were my guys. Jonathan, like, those are the guys that I was following on an everyday, every week basis. And I would try to mimic what they were doing. Mm. And all I was told by everybody is just go out there and just see people. And that's what I did. Remember, remember my territories. My territories were like, Swedesboro, Glassboro, West Deptford. It's like an hour and 45 minutes from my house. Mm -hmm. There were times I used to take my kids with me on appointments because mm -hmm. I didn't want them to be alone. Right. And we'd be getting home 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And I used to play games with them in the car. Like, I will never forget this. I'd be driving home and rather than have go to sleep, I'd be like, so guys, I'm thinking of a chocolate bar. And then I would give them hints and they would have to name the chocolate bar. Wow. So, yeah, certain things. But it, it was kind of tough. And then, you know, 18, 19, just put my head down. I think I did 374 that first year. Helped 374 families. And I was like, holy crap. Huh. And at 51 years old, I was able to buy my first house. That's an incredible story. Yep. How did it feel? Life insurance treated me well. Of course, I had to stop DJing, right? I had to put that off to the side and say, hey, listen, can't DJ three, four nights a week anymore. No doubt. How, did it, how did it feel buying your house, your first house at 51? Oh, good. I was just sitting, I was just sitting with the girl prior to me coming here. I was just in the girl's office who sold me the house because I'm trying to get her licensed so she could go to her book and business and sell mortgage protection to all those people. And I was just telling her like how close I was to not buying the house because I'm such an inpatient guy. Three months. I was with this mortgage guy and they wanted a P&L. They wanted like a audited P&L. I'm like, dude, I'm a 1099 employee. Like, and then I winded up firing them and I went to somebody else and she got me a house in 13 days. <laughs> Closed. Which was ridiculous. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, man, as far as the, the 
you know, you know, I know you cringe when you talk to me because you just never know what's going to come out of my mouth. But, <laughs> you know, for those of you people who know me, know one thing about me. Like, I'm probably the realest M mother freaker you will ever meet. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. <laughs> and I use your word, mother freaker. I say mother father, so. Um, uh, so I love it, man. I mean, so you've had sustained success from that moment of going all in to now. And so obviously your story has brought you to here. It's, you're in a, a conf, a very confident place. You know, you, you have a lot of control over your day to day. And, you know, your year-to-year -year income, which is important. You've done very well for yourself. You know, what are some of the benefits of having of making that decision to go all in and now having done it for, you know, five, six years in a row? Well, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of benefits. You know, I buy what I want, when I want, go where I want, when I want. Like, do I go to California tomorrow to go to the Niner game Saturday? Like, that's what I'm thinking right now. Do I... <laughs> Drop three grand on doing this for me and JJ. I can do that now. Mm. You know, I could do whatever I want, whenever I want. Um, I, I just wish, and regardless of where you are business-wise, you can't, you can, but you can't. Like, I just wish I was a little bit healthier. You know, I wish, you know, working on my, my, my weight, you know, there's a few things that I'd like to do better about my health, which I'm trying to take control of um but you know i i think that probably the biggest take on all of it mark is just the effect that my kids had five years ago four years ago having them watch me go from you know here not here but to be a lot better where i was four or five years ago mm-hmm you know, stuff that they had then, they, you know, stuff that they didn't have then, now they have. Mm. You know, like, you know, JJ's got Xbox. He's got Nintendo 4. He's got PlayStation 4. He's got PlayStation 5. He's got a nice big flyer bicycle. Bro, if this was five years ago, you'd still be, you're lucky you'd, you'd have a big wheel, which were pretty cool. <laughs> So, um, but also the beauty part about the whole thing too, is that it enables me to build relationships with so many different people with a clear ahead where I'm not in a tough situation. Like I was five years ago, four years ago. Right. especially working with other agents. It's easier to train other agents when you've done it and you got things as opposed to driving a 2004 Ford Taurus. You're, you're nutty. <laughs> it helps. Whatever it takes, John. 
through so 2024 and beyond. What's next for John Mazzella? That's it. Just try to get a few, more than a few agents under my belt. Try to build this thing. Um, I didn't do such a good job of that last year. I do have some ideas. So I'd like to go from, I don't want to give numbers. I hate giving numbers, but I just want to be better than I was last year personally. And I want to be better than I was last year as an agency. And that's where I'm going to leave it. Um, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing. I'm going to continue to be there for everybody around me, whether they're on my team or not on my team. Um, more importantly, be a better dad. Figure a way how to build that relationship. Even though it's good, I want it to always be better every day. Just be a better person, be a better dad, be a better business owner. Um, you know, I know, I, I, I admit, like, I suck at delivering messages to people. I'm not the best. <laughs> I definitely suck at it. And whoever's listening to this right now is probably <laughs> laughing their ass off because they know I'm right. Yeah. That's something that I need to work on. Right. Um, so going further, just be a better me, be a better business owner, be a better father. And, um, you know, again, I'm not going to give you that new year, new me bull crap, but just want to be better than I was last year. That's all I want to do. Dude, I, I want to say, even though I knew parts of your story, I don't, I didn't know that much depth. And listening to that is just, it's, it's inspiring to see where you are based on, you know, the life you've lived and the things you've experienced and the way you dust yourself off and, and built a life for yourself that um, at the time seemed ludicrous. You know, I remember how gun shy you were when I was talking to you. I was like, dude, yeah. what do we do? Because you used to pop in, pop out. Pop, I mean, 2014, we met. 2018, you went all in. So for four yep. or five years, you're popping in. I'm like, John, when are, you, when are we going to stop this? Like, when are you going to actually go all in? You know, we actually had the conversation. And so from whatever place, because in 14 to 18, I didn't know what you were dealing with financially. I knew you couldn't have been killing it. You're calling me. You want, you know, can I get a contract with this carrier? And can you, you know, I'm like, dude, enough. You you independent, you know, freaking gnat. <laughs> and so when you came all in, you know, we were able to kind of get on a whole different rapport. And it was it it was impressive to watch what you did, but to Yeah, I mean when I do when I do three thousand dollars in business in a year and then next year I do three hundred seventy four, of course I'm gonna be a good friend of yours. Yeah, unbelievable. Anyway, <laughs> you know so, what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so. No, but but that's 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 exactly where my life was. Like two thousand seventeen. Listen, Mark, honestly. No disrespect to you. Like, it's tough getting divorced, man. Yeah, it, I don't know. It, I'm sorry. It, I didn't... Yeah. And again, it's, I'm, it, it sucked. It sucked. It really, I, bro, I, I did there was no manual. Yeah. I, I, like, I didn't know how to build relationships with my kids. I was their father. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't know how to, you know, even today with JJ, it's it's it it breaks my heart that you know 
he doesn't have that mother figure around him and it's just me and that's why i probably am a little bit softer on him than i was on chris and sabrina mm. but um yeah no nah, man just the whole getting divorced thing was really tough on me it really was because i didn't have that nine to five job where i was doing well you know it was just the dj business that i was making over six figures a year with you know i wasn't really making anywhere near that with life insurance or health insurance or anything else mm. but um yeah, so. Well, your story is now in the ethers, my friend, and I appreciate you sharing that with us. I'm sure that's going to inspire someone and inspired me today. So thank you for sharing your story with us, Mr. John. Thank you for having me on, Mr. Mead. <laughs> my man. Thank you, brother. Good luck to those Niners, brother. Let's see what happens here. But uh, I think they look pretty good right now. Keep your fingers crossed, man. <laughs> All right, my man. I'll talk to you soon, bro. All right, thank y'all for listening. John Mazzella, peace out, brother. Thank you.